deep within my heart. I know you've won. I know you've overcome. And even in the dark, when I'm undone, I still believe it. I live by faith and not by sight. Sometimes miracles take time. While I wait, I will worship. Lord, I'll worship your name. While I wait, I will trust you. Lord, I'll trust you. in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not 
on that understanding and all that ways acknowledge him on the direct your path. There's times when God does say wait. There's times we don't understand what's going on. But we ought to worship him just the same, knowing that God is in control. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God knows exactly where we're at and what our needs are. Thank you, Elena, for that song. Take your Bibles, if you would, this morning. I want you to look, at, first of all, 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And then Isaiah chapter 5. If you want to find both of those places there, if you would. Isaiah chapter 5 and 2 Timothy chapter 4. Isaiah 5 and 2 Timothy chapter 4. A few weeks ago we began a study in looking at being deceived, how people can be deceived. And how that we need to be very careful that we're not being deceived. Be not deceived. We looked at several different ways of how we can be deceived. The first week we looked at how that we can actually deceive ourselves. Our worst enemy is not other people. Our worst enemy is not even the devil. The worst enemy you have that you fight against is yourself. The heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it is what Jeremiah said. And we have to be very careful that we are dying to that old sinful nature, dying to the old man and living in Christ. But the challenge is is that many people today, they are fighting that battle and they're fighting the battle from within. And then there's a battle from without where there's other people that will deceive you as well. A lot of false preaching going on today, a lot of false teaching, a lot of false philosophies, a lot of false philosophies that are being taught within our school system and in our public universities today. We looked at how that people are being deceived and it seems as though the more worldly knowledge that you get, the, the, the more their faith is challenged. And I've known many people that were strong in the faith and they got educated by the philosophies and the, the, the things of this world. And before you know it, they started questioning everything about the things of God. Maybe they're enlightened, you might say, humanly speaking. And obviously the devil of this world is, is, is really educating people today and trying to get them to doubt that there even is a God. To doubt the very word of God. To doubt the fact that we have the infallible word that God has preserved for us to be able to open up and read. And he's deceiving many with that. And, and many people, they get down that road and they get through all kinds of public education and, and, and government education and university education. And, and before they know it, they're doubting their faith. We see a lot of young people that are going through that now. And a lot of people that I've seen in my own life that have gone down that route. I mean, and we can look at that and say how terrible that is, but we need to be very careful as Christians that we don't fall into deceit as well of being deceived for, for the things of this world by, by, by our, our faith being challenged and us not trusting in God. Look back at your life. Was there a time in your life that you had more faith than you have now? More trust than you have now in God? More victory in your life? We need to be very careful. There's going to be a great deception. The first week it laid down the, 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 the idea that when the, 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 the end time comes, before the Lord comes back, there's going to be a time when there's going to be a great falling away. There's going to be a great delusion that happens here in this world and people are going to follow after the son of perdition and they're going to be deceived. And we see that there's going to be a groundwork that is laid prior to that. There's going to be a lot of people that are falling away. And I want you to look here, if you would, at 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let's all stand, if you would. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse number 3. Notice it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. 
and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Here we see that as the time comes that the Lord is going to come back to rapture the church, there's going to be a great delusion that happens. And it talks about the time is going to come when people are not going to endure sound doctrine. We certainly live in a day and age today where there's a lot of people they don't care about doctrine at all. I've heard people say, let's just hold hands and love Jesus and check doctrine at the door. Leave it there. Don't bring it in. Now, hey, listen, we ought to be united as God's children. But I'll tell you what, doctrine is important. It's the foundation upon what we believe. And it's the foundation of, of our faith. It's the foundation of the gospel. And so there's going to be people that are going to be wanting to have their lusts and heap upon themselves teachers having itching ears, wanting to hear what they want to hear. And we see here, now turn over to Isaiah chapter 5 if you would. We look at the, what's going on in the world today, and to be honest, you know, if you have an honest look at the world today, we see that things are not getting better, they're getting worse. We're literally going from bad to worse in this area of deception in the world today. From bad to worse. And I want you to notice what it says there in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse number 20. Notice what it says. Woe unto them that call evil good, and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that we would see clearly. Lord, I pray that we would stand firm upon your word. I pray, Lord, that we would not waver. We'd not be blown about with every wind that comes our way. Lord, I pray that we'd stand strong on the doctrine of your word, the truths of your word. Lord, I pray that we would not fall for the deception that is happening right now. We see it so prevalent in our world today. Lord, I pray that we would see truth. Help us, Lord, to keep our eyes on you. Help our faith to continue to grow. You tell us in your word that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lord, I pray our faith would grow today because of the word that you're giving to us today. Help us to be strong. Help us to set an example for our young people. Help us to stand out and be different. Lord, I pray you challenge our hearts. Help us to see what you want us to see today personally. Conviction where we need it today personally. Lord, challenge our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Talking about making a big change, going from bad to worse and being deceived, you know. I want to talk about, first of all, we think about, you know, we talked about being deceived inside, being deceived by those that are outside, the devil deceiving people, being deceived by the the knowledge and the things of this world. And, but I want to talk today about how it gets worse. And the first thing I want to talk about is this, the fact of calling evil good means it's getting much worse. The deceit has gotten even further. Calling evil good. You know, it's one thing to sin. By the way, every one of us have sinned. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We all do sin. But there's a difference between us sinning and it's a whole different level to call sin good. And it's, it's, we see it so prevalent in the world today. We see that happening on such a, a level today where it's a much bigger deception, not just being tempted to sin, not just believing a lie to go, get involved in sin, but getting so far with the deception that now we say that sin is just fine. And glorying in that. 
calling evil good. There we see in Isaiah, look at verse number 20 once again. He says, woe unto them that call evil good. In James 1.14, James puts it this way. He says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. You see, I believe that with each sin that we commit, there's a level of deception that we surrender to that opens the door to that sin. Every time we sin, there's a deception that we surrender to that opens the door in order for us to do that sin. Every man is tempted, James says, when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And in that lust that he's talking about, that that lust, his own lust or evil desire that James refers to, we will find the deception that tells us that it's all right to commit that sin. It's okay to go ahead and do that thing. It's deceiving us to go ahead and step through and do whatever that, that sin is. It won't hurt anything, the devil tries to tell you. Your old flesh tries to tell you. It's okay. It's not going to hurt anything. It's not going to hurt anybody. Boy, what a lie. What deceit. I think about back in the Garden of Eden. Think about the the case of Eve. The deception was to be like God. The deception was to eat of that fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and for her eyes to be opened and for her to be able to be like God. That was the enticement. That was the, 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 the temptation. That was the deceit that came from the devil. And she was drawn away from her own lust. It was something that she desired and she was enticed by it. Think about David. We can give a lot of examples, but David's another great example. David, the deception was that no one will find out his sin with Bathsheba. No one's going to find out. David, he can have this lady that was beautiful. He was at the wrong place at the wrong time. He was looking down from his palace, and he saw this beautiful woman that was bathing out on top of her roof. You see, in that day, they would have had a place to bathe outside. It would have been enclosed so people down there wouldn't see, but David was from a different position in looking down and seeing it. David was enticed. The lust that he had, evil desire he had within his heart, his old flesh, He desired a physical relationship with this woman. He thought, I can go ahead and do it. I'm the king. I can cover anything I want to. I can can make it to where nobody finds out about this. He has her brought to his bedchamber, and we know the rest of the story. He, He commits adultery with her at best case scenario. Worst case scenario, you might say that he raped her. We really don't know, but what we know is he did a horrific thing. It was horrible. But he's king. He says, I can go ahead and do this. I can get away with it. Nobody's going to find out about it. Hmm. I can make that sin go away. You know, after Adam and Eve's sin, the Bible records that Adam and Eve, they hid from as he was looking for them in the cool of the day there in the garden. They were hiding from, why were they hiding from God? Their eyes had been opened, of course. We knew, they, they understood now that they were sinners. They knew that they were naked. They tried to cover their nakedness. They tried to hide from God. They tried to get away from God because they had sinned. They had done wrong. They had been deceived. They had done, well, I say deceived. Eve was deceived. Adam just chose to do it. I don't understand that. I can't comprehend it. But I know they did. They disobeyed God. They sinned against God. After David sinned with Bathsheba, David did everything he could to try to hide it. He tried to hide his sin. He did what he could. It ended up bringing on actually to a deeper sin of murder. 
did all he could do to try to hide it, thinking that he could hide it because he was the king, thinking that he could do what he wanted to do, thinking that he could get away with it. And we know that he could not get away with it. God saw exactly what he did. God confronted David with his own sin. David, even at that moment, could not see that he had done this terrible thing. He was deceived. A man after God's own heart? A man after God's own heart could be deceived to do such a horrific thing. Don't think that you cannot be deceived. Be not deceived. The challenge is there for us. But David, he was tempted with this. And we understand, you know, we can understand those responses of Adam and Eve and King David because you know what? We sin too. Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. The bottom line is we do sin. Let me ask you this. When you sin, how do you feel? When you sin, how do you feel? When you sin, do you feel the shame? Do you feel the guilt? Do you realize what that sin is? Do you realize what it cost Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross? When you sin, do you carry that? And you know that you've broken God's law. You know you've done wrong. You know that you've not done right. You know you've done evil. And you feel the shame. I sure hope we do. I sure hope you do. You know what's so sad? There's people today that they get involved with sin and they're deceived into taking that first step into sin and that second step. And, and just like David, that first step, it led to another step and another step. And lying and, and then ending up murder and then not even and acknowledging those things, thinking he was above it. He got to the place where he hit the wall, though, and he realized he was a sinner. You know, that sin cost David greatly. He lost his son because of it. Sin, sin does cause pain. Sin does bring death. Sin does bring destruction. And the sad part today is this. The devil has deceived people. This world's philosophy is deceiving people. Hey, popular culture today is deceiving our young people. Deceiving not just young people, but people of all ages today. The Hollywood, TV, all kinds of things are deceiving people today to think that they can go ahead and sin and there's nothing wrong with it. And the problem is that people, they take that step and they start to do this step. And before they know it, they're sinning and they don't even care anymore calling evil good there's so many examples of it and yet there ought to be shame there ought to be shame there ought to be a heart of repentance when we sin brokenness before God because we have broken God's law and we realize what that cost God And our love for God ought to cause us to repent of it, to turn away from it, and ask God, hey, I'm so thankful for 1 John 1, 9, where it says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The sad part is today, though, there's a lot of people that are just living in sin, and they call it good. You ask them, how you doing? I'm good. (laughs) Really? Now, I'm not saying because you say that that you're wrong. What I'm saying is people don't even see where they're at. I've seen it happen as a pastor over and over again. I've seen people that took that first step and they ended up in a place you never thought they would end up. And they ended up in a place they never thought back a long time ago they would ever end up. But now they're here. They say, Pastor, thank you for your concern. I appreciate your prayers. Have a good day. Well, won't you come to church? 
I'm good. You see what I'm saying? And they get to the place where they start calling evil good. A deception. And it's not just people that are outside of church. Hey, listen, that deception is happening right in the church house today. Where there are so many people today that are in the church house and they're calling that which is evil is good. And from the pulpit today, there are preachers that are preaching. Hey, listen, don't listen to what mom and dad said years ago. Don't listen to what grandpa and grandma said. Don't listen where the church stood for the last several hundred years where they stood against such issues as drinking. It's okay to drink. They're preaching things like that today. Personal soul liberty. You can just do whatever you want to do. Hey, let your your heart be the guide. How about letting the word of God be your guide? How about letting this be the absolute truth for you in your life? And if the Word of God says it's wrong, it's wrong. Hey, it's happening today where people are calling evil good. It happens all around us. It's not just the church. It's all over society, too. You think about it. You know, they have a a theme for a month just about for every month of the year now. And some of those themes, I can't even comprehend why they would glorify such behavior. Now, what I'm about to say next, I want to preface it with this. God loves every one of us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God even loves murderers, folks. Doesn't love what they do. But we're not having a murder appreciation month anytime soon, I hope. Are you all with me? Right? There are some sins that carry bigger penalties in this world. And there's some sins that God abhors, and God makes very plain and clear that he's against. By the way, it's all sin. I'm just talking about there's some that he specifically points out because he specifically is trying to keep you from going down there because he loves you, and he knows the consequence of going down that path. You know what one of the big ones are? Homosexuality. Over and over again, we see in the Word of God that God is against that. By the way, God's against also broken marriages. God's against divorce. God's against fornication. God is against idolatry. There are a lot of things God's against, but I'm not, I hope we're not going to have a, a month of uh, idolatry appreciation. All right? But we have a month in this country right now for Gay Appreciation Month. And, and they're calling evil good. It, it's overwhelming. I like to listen to the 760 AM down in Detroit. These folks are from down that way. You know what I'm talking about. I grew up listening to 760 AM. It's, a, it's just a talk radio. I enjoy the news. So I listen to it on iHeartRadio on my cell phone. During Gay Appreciation Month, I couldn't listen to it at all because after every single time they talked, they went to the advertising. They kept talking about gay appreciation this. They talked about podcasts that they had about talking about how to come out or how to enjoy the gay lifestyle. And, and podcasts. I'm thinking, to my, I don't want to hear this garbage. I mean, you get on your, your, your computer and you go to Google and you do a search and you see these banners that come up, gay appreciation this. You, if you watch anything on TV at all, there's just, it was plastered over everything. Did you all notice? Did anybody even notice? It's disgusting to me because they are taking something that God says is evil and they're making it good. Calling evil good. The Bible says woe to them. Woe to a country that would call evil good. You know what's sad today is there are a lot of Christians today that they think what I'm saying right now is hate speech. It's not at all. Hey, you tell your child not to walk out in front of a car, is that hate speech? No. 
You tell somebody to avoid a lifestyle that will bring such brokenness and hurt in their life, that's not hate speech, that's love. That's sharing the truth from the word of God. And I'm so thankful that God can save anybody. God can deliver anybody. God can set you free. There's no question about that. There's that we see. How about this one? <clears throat> People that the way that they talk. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that people use profanity all the time today, even Christians today. And, and we just pass. It's just like it's nothing. It means nothing. To, it's like you feel your ear. And to even laugh about things like that. You know, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to watch any type of comedians nowadays. I long for the days where I could listen to a comedian and, and just laugh with it. I mean, who's on first, right? You're like, that's really old. Yeah, but at least it was clean. You could watch that. Nowadays, it's nearly impossible to watch any type of comedians to do anything because it's filled with profanity. And yet there's Christians all over the country that turn that thing on and sit there and go, ha, 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 ha. Calling evil good. And a lot of Christians today, they're like, oh, that, that shakes them up saying something like that. They're, they're, what are you talking about? You're under the law, preacher. <laughs> No, I'm under grace. I'm under liberty. The liberty to be set free from the bondage of the law. That's not under the law. Now to say that I had to stop cussing in order to go to heaven, now you can talk about being under the law. But to say that I ought to cuss and because I'm under liberty, (laughs) oh, 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 hang on a minute here. No, no, you weren't set free for an occasion of the flesh. You were set free that you would be not bound by the flesh any longer. Let me just share one verse about drinking, by the way. Proverbs 20, verse 1. You've got to be 21 to be able to drink. Proverbs 20, verse 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. It's not wise at all. It's foolishness. It's the biggest addictive thing in this country right now. It's a cause of more deaths. It destroys families. It's not soul liberty of making that choice. It's a really unwise decision. worst level of deception it's going to catch you if you're not careful this what we're talking about there are so many people that are being deceived right now and they're falling right down in line with it there's pastors that are being deceived right now that are falling right down in line with it and I'm challenging you use the word of God as your final authority use the word of God sinning openly without shame Sinning openly. Now, that kind of goes along with the first one, but I want to expound on it a little bit more. Sinning openly without shame. You know, it's one thing to sin in private. Now, we shouldn't sin in private. But once again, nowadays, people, they don't care about whether they sin openly or not. There used to be a day where people, I mean, to go buy liquor, they'd be afraid to walk out of the store. They'd put it in a paper bag to be careful that nobody would see it. Now they invite you over for dinner and say, would you like some? Now they don't care anything about it. I'm just using that as an illustration. Nowadays, people are open about their sin. And yet it says here in Isaiah 5.20, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. 
And the Bible warns us of some of the signs of the last days. We see it again. Look, if you would, over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Notice that. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I truly believe that we're in the last days. I believe that time is short. Lord, ascending into heaven should be looking for his ascension. All right? So obviously we ought to be living like the Lord could come back today. But based on what I see as far as prophecy and the times that we live, we are in the end times. And we see that Paul is instructing Timothy, this young preacher, about what to look forward to, or as far as what to look out for, I should say, of what's coming. And we see here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. Now, I can't help when I read this to see exactly what's happening right now in this country. This is exactly what's happening in this country right now. I mean, you look at what's happening in, in our world today. Let's just take one, for instance, incontinent. Okay, when you think of that, all of us, we think of the word, we think about people that, well, I don't want to go into detail. But that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about without self-control. This is talking about not being able to have self-control. Hey, there used to be a day and age when children were raised within the house to be taught to have self-control. At the drop of a hat, they didn't get everything they wanted. Sometimes they had to wait. Sometimes they had to do what they were told. <laughs> well, all the time, I should say. <laughs> Sometimes when you're driving the car, they said, I've got to go to the bathroom, you've got to wait. Self-control. <laughs> I tried that with my wife when we first got married. I was driving down the road. Guys, don't do this. I'm going to give you some heads up. <laughs> don't do what I'm about to tell you. And believe me, we've been married long enough. I've learned not to do it myself. I was messing with my wife. You know how Sarah called Abraham Lord, right? She called him Lord. Did she not? Right. So I thought that's a great idea. My wife should call me Lord too. I'm driving down the road. We were on our honeymoon. And she says, yeah, that was a bad time to start this. I was just kidding, but she didn't take it that way. I was joking, honestly. I wasn't seriously thinking she should make me a lord. When I'm driving down the road, she says, I need to use the restroom. I says, well, we got to wait. And I, she says, well, I need to go soon. I said, well, if you say, Lord Brian, could we please get off this next exit? I'll get off. <laughs> so she wouldn't say it. Surprise, surprise, right? She would not say it. So I kept driving right past that exit. That was not a good idea, guys. We're still married today, praise the Lord. Um, i got to remember why I'm telling you this. Oh, yeah. Self-control. <laughs> Waiting. My wife's going to kill me after today is over. I know that. That wasn't in my notes. Now I'm in big trouble. But I'm talking about... Yes. <laughs> I didn't even mean it that way. I was talking about how we make our kids wait. Woo, I'm in trouble now. Oh, that ranks pretty high up there. Sorry. I'm going to publicly apologize now to my wife. Um, 
And now you ladies are like, I'm sure glad I'm not married to that guy. Oh. <laughs> I got a good amen out of that one. All right, anyways. But there used to be a day and age when we taught kids to be obedient. We taught kids to follow directions. We taught kids to have self-control. When they sat in the classroom, they behaved themselves. I remember when I was in school, one of the biggest things I got in trouble for was because I threw the eraser off the back of my pencil. Not the big chalkboard eraser, by the way. The little eraser off the back of my pencil across the room, and I was in big trouble, man. Nowadays, well, another thing I got in trouble for, I was out in the hallway after school, and I went, looked at this. This is back when computers first came out. I saw these breaker boxes, and I thought, I wonder what those do. That's a bad thing to do. <laughs> click, click, click. Ah! Screaming. A girl was doing her final on this Apple computer in basic, and it wasn't saved, and I turned her computer off. That was the worst trouble I got in, by the way, almost at school. I won't tell you the other occasion. <laughs> but, you know, nowadays, kids, they cuss in school. There's profanity. Kids disrespect their teachers. And I know some smaller areas, smaller schools, there's better situations, but it's still nothing like what it used to be. And it's not just in school that that's happening. It's at home. Here we're walking to Walmart. No self-control. And it's not just kids, folks. We have a whole generation that's come up with no control, talking about the end times of lovers of their own self, being covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to their parents. Man, that is describing the generations that we see right now in this country. Unthankful. Unholy. Without natural affection. They're telling our kids right now at five and six years old, that they might not be male or female even. Or they might not, if they're a boy, they might be a girl. Natural affection. Hey, you know what? When I was going through those formative years of about 12, 13, and 14, I didn't like girls at all. No, I, I mean, I was attracted to them. But it was like, I was like, the girls have cooties and stuff like that. Man. Amen. And girls, they get a lot better along with other girls than they do boys at that age. Have you noticed that? Seriously, most of the time, girls are like, those boys are so immature, I don't want to talk to them. That sound about right? Yeah. I have five daughters, I know these things. Boys drool and girls rule, that's what I heard, all right? They don't want to talk to the boys at that age because they have their girlfriends. I'm talking about in the purity time, when girls say, I have to go to the bathroom, would you go with me? And they hold hands while they go. I'm dead serious. Now, you all know what I'm talking about. That's not the unnatural affection, by the way, either. That's being the pure sense of the word. They're being good friends. Now, guys, if, they, if you guys do that at all around here, men, if you talk, that ain't going to, anyway, you see what I'm saying. That's against natural affection right there. Don't ask me to go, anyway, I'm moving on. But nowadays, my wife's like, this guy is in trouble today. <laughs> Nowadays, look at the society we live in. We have these young ladies that are being told that they might be lesbian. And the feelings they have for these other girls, which is affection, because they are closer to them than boys, might mean that they are lesbian. And it's openly being taught in the government institutions. Without natural affection... Truce breakers, false accusers, no self-control, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. 
despisers of those that are good. Does that not ring a bell with what's going on today? Today, people are right out in the open with it. It's open. Thirdly, there is the idea of banishing the Bible. This great deceit we're talking about. You've got to get rid of truth. You've got to get rid of the Bible. You can't have something that's absolute. The kids are being taught there's no absolute. You've got to get rid of the Bible. It's one thing to not follow the Word of God. It's another thing to tell other people they shouldn't follow the Word of God. That's where we're at today. It's one thing for people back years ago to say, I don't believe in the Word of God. I'm not going to follow the Word of God. It's a whole other thing for them now to push that down the throats of our children. Push it down the throats of everybody else. That you are just a mindless, simple-minded individual if you believe in a God. Because they have all this head knowledge. They think that they try to push the Bible away from everything. Why are they so afraid of the Bible? And why, when they cuss, do they use God's name in vain? If there is no God, then what are they saying anyways? You ever thought about that? It doesn't make any sense. Why are they so against the Word of God if the Word of God isn't real? They want to banish it. That's the deception. Get rid of the Word of God. Look at verse number 20 once again, Isaiah 5. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Now it's interesting. I want you to focus in on that sweet part there. Does anybody think of something in the Bible that God calls sweet? That's right. That's exactly right. Sweeter also than honey is what the Word of God says. I think of what the psalmist said in Psalm 19, verse number 8. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Man, what a wonderful verses of Scripture. I love those verses. I remember learning a song when I was a kid. Went right along with this. Great, great chorus that goes with this. And learning it about the Word of God and how sweet it is. You know what's sad is we profess to be a Christian nation, but prayer has been out of the school since 1962, and the Bible has been out of the school since 1963. Now let me rephrase that. Prayer supposedly was out of the school. They've been trying to push the fact that prayer is out. It's out of the school concerning as far as a teacher leading in prayer. And it's been out of the school since 1962. They wanted to get it out of the school. The Bible, they wanted to get it out of the school in 1963. Getting it out of the school, you know, prior to that, for, for But we see that in 1963, they got it out of the schools. And why did they do it? What's the reason why? Because someone said that it's a bitter pill for them to swallow, listening to Christians pray and hearing readings from the Bible. Let's get it out of here. They reason that they should not have to put up with the desire of the majority if it offends them. Better for the minority to have their way than the majority to have their way. I truly believe that was the case back in 1963. Majority of people would have been fine with having the Bible in the school and fine with prayer being in the school. The minority was the one that cried loud and ended up getting it taken out. I truly believe that. And I believe that we're in the place we're in today, and a great and large reason is because of decisions like that. 
getting rid of the Bible. And getting it out of the schools, trying to get it rid of it, trying to get it out of the public uh, education, trying to get it out of the public square, trying to get it away from. Why are they so afraid of the Bible? Why do they hate the Bible so much? I can tell you why. Because it calls them out for who they are. It tells the truth. It's contrary to what they want. And when I say they, that's a big they. It could be people that want to have their own desires sexually. People that want to have their own desires politically. People that want to do whatever they want to do. People that want to, don't want to be accountable to anybody. They want to live like they want to live. And they don't want to get rid of it. Well, I want to share just very quickly what happened as a result of getting prayer out of the schools and getting the Bible out of school. Let me just share some statistics with you. Let's just talk about young people for a moment. For 15 years before 1963, pregnancies in girls ages 15 through 19 had been no more than 15 per thousand. 15 per thousand. Okay, for 15 years prior to 1963. After 1963, pregnancies increased by 187% in the next 15 years. The numbers went crazy. For younger girls, ages 10 to 14, pregnancies since 1963 have risen 553%. Wrap your minds around this. What happened as a result of a country, a nation, a people choosing to say, God, you're no longer allowed to be part of our education in this country. Before 1963, sexual among students were 400 per 100,000. Think about that. 400 per 100,000. Since 1963, they're they're up 226% over the next 12 years after that. So from 1963, 12 years after that, they were up 226% of sexually transmitted diseases. Let's talk about the family. Before 1963, divorce rates had been declining for 15 years leading up to 1963. After 1963, divorce increased 300% each year for the next 15 years. You know there was a time when divorce was something you didn't even talk about? There was a time when divorce, you, you hardly... Now, a lot of you, the, the generations, the last couple, you don't know what I'm talking about. But I remember as a kid not knowing very many people that did not have both a mom and dad. That were in a single parent home. Now by the way. Praise God for godly single parents. That are in church and raising their kids right. And there's things that have happened in their life. That you can't go back and change. Or they were not part of your decision. But praise be to God. That you are continuing to be in church. This is not an attack on you. This is an attack on when people say. I don't want God. What it does to the family. And I think you would agree with that. You'd tell people, man, I wish I, wished I had a husband or a wife. I wish that we were together. I wish that we both believed in God. I wish that we both taught our children on the same level as far as from the Word of God. Divorce rates in- increased for 15 years after. Since 1963, unmarried people living together is up 353%. Another statistic. People living together. Since 1963, single-parent families are up 140%. Since 1963, single-parent families with children are up 160%. The numbers go on. How about education? All right, obviously, we've spent so much money on education. It must have gotten better since 1963, right? No. The SAT scores have gone horribly wrong. 
And it's interesting, since 1963, for 18 years consecutive after that, there was a rapid decline in SAT scores. Even though the same test was being used since 1941, for 18 years after getting God out of the schools, the numbers, they, they tanked. Something happened, though. In 1974 to 1975, the rate of decline of the SAT scores decreased. It started getting better. Even though they were still declining, it started getting better as far as numbers. That was when there was an explosion of private religious schools across this country. People started to see the direction the school was headed in, even back then, and realizing the children are told there's no God. People are being taught, their children are being taught things contrary to the Word of God. They started getting their eyes open and said, something's wrong here. We've got to have education for our kids that's not going to teach them that there is no God and, and teach them that it's okay to be involved in, in sexual activity and all these things. So they, religious schools started being planted all across the country. And the SAT scores started leveling out. And it's interesting, they, they did statistics, and the, a religious school, on average, was 100 points higher than the public schools. 100 points higher. Amazing. In checking with the SAT, SAT board, it was found that, indeed, the SAT scores for private schools were higher. And also, they, they said that the, 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 the top academic scholars, three times as many, come from private religious schools which operate on one-third the funds do the public schools. And you can look back, and there's a lot of things that contribute to this, but you've got to look at the foundation as to when you see this great change. Look at graphs. You can go back and look at anything you want. When you take God out of the schools, you take prayer out of the schools, you start doing it your way, and you start calling evil good, you're going to see what's happened exactly in this country. They don't want the Word of God. Now, here's the thing. It's not just affected the schools. It's not just affected young people. It's affected our country as a nation. I can give you all kinds of statistics. 1963, violent crime since that time has increased 544%. And I know right now, I, the, here's, here's the thing we've got to be careful of. When you start talking about stuff like this, we start toning it out, become tone deaf to it. Stop being tone deaf to it. We need to grasp what I'm talking about, what, what we see black and white. We see what's happening. It ought to alarm us. That's what happened. A lot of people just sat there and did nothing is why we're at where we're at today. There's so many numbers I could go over, but I don't want to spend any more time talking about that, but it's just so sad. I'll give you one other statistic. In Chicago right now, they're, on, they're, they're, they're heading toward, by the end of this year, 600 murders in Chicago this year. And that's down from last year. Wrap your mind around that. Lawlessness. Wrap your mind around how a country could, and, and the news media could laud and, and lift up people that are out burning cities down. How do we get there? We can sit here and blame because in the public school that they got the Bible out in 1963 and prayer out in 1962. And we could blame them for teaching all the horrible things that they did. And we could complain about how education has gone down even though they spent so much more money than they ever did. We can blame anybody we want to blame. But you know what? When it comes right down to it, you don't just find those things out there. You find them in the church house today too. 
people that are living in fornication, people that are living in mixed relationships, people that are living and doing things that is contrary to the word of God. And you say, well, preacher, you're saying, I'm not, I don't know what, you, what people, are, I'm not saying that specifically. I'm talking about as a whole, I'm talking about Christianity. I'm talking about people that are supposed to say, I believe the word of God. So why is that? Why is it that there's a lot of Christians today that have these itching ears and they want to have a preacher that gives them what they want to hear? Why is it today that people don't care about doing right, they openly are doing wrong? Why are they doing that? What's the reason why? Is it because they, the Word of God has changed? No. So what's changed? Is it possible that's because there's a lot of churches today that don't teach doctrine? Don't teach the Word of God? Don't teach what is right and what's wrong? Nothing but feel-good messages all the time? Hey, we should have feel-good messages. There's times when we can be... Say, praise God for what he's done and lift up his name and and be encouraged from the word of God. But we need to hear the truth from the word of God, too, of the things that are wrong and what we shouldn't be doing. And teaching our children what we shouldn't be doing. So what year did the Bible get out of your life? What year did prayer cease in your life? You see the challenge? This year, what month was it that you stopped reading the Word of God? Stopped praying as you should? What day was it? A challenge to us. We think that that's not going to hurt or not going to matter. Statistics tell us otherwise, and I don't care about the statistics. What I really truly care about is what the Word of God says. It's going to hurt. And the Bible tells us here in Isaiah 5.20, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe. Isaiah was a prophet from God. He was talking to God's people. Woe. Where are you at? Where are you standing? What in your life right now that you do that it used to never do? What are things in your life that now you make a compromise on that you never would have done before? Are you reading the Word of God? Maybe there was a time you read the Word of God daily and you prayed as you should. Are you doing it now? We see the devastating effects. and we, Every one of us, if I asked, should we have prayer in the school? Should we have the Word of God in the schools? You would all say amen. Should we have the Word of God in prayer in our own lives? Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, we truly, we need you. We need your word. We need for your word to help our faith to continue to grow. We need for your word to guide us and direct us. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Lord, we need you to guide us. Thy word have I hidden mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Lord, we need your word that we would have victory over sin. Lord, challenge our hearts today. Lord, that we would call sin, sin in our life. Lord, if there's some unconfessed sin, that we would confess it to you. Lord, I'm thankful you're faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us. Lord, I pray that we would have self-control 
that we be obedient to your word. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, let me ask you, do you know Christ? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Has there been a time and a place in your life when you were born again? You say, yes, I know I'm saved. I've trusted in Christ as my Savior. And your testimony today is that you know for sure you're going to heaven based on the promise of God's word. If that's your testimony, would you lift your hand up high and say, yes, I know that I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. God bless me. Put your hands down. Perhaps you're here this morning. You don't have that peace. Listen, God loves you. God wants you to know that you're on your way to heaven. Is he speaking to your heart right now? Could I pray for you? See, God doesn't want you to leave today without knowing you're on your way to heaven. He gives us his word that we may know. God wants you to know. Maybe you're here right now and you say, Preacher, I don't have that peace. I don't know if I died today that I'd go to heaven. Would you slip your hand up? Could I pray for you? I won't call you out. I won't embarrass you. Anybody like that? Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. You say, I don't have that peace. I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. Christian, has God spoken to your heart today? Was there a time and a place in your life when you were more in love with God, more on fire for God? Was there a time and a place in your life when you you desired God's word? You read his word. You prayed. Is God challenging your heart this morning? There might be something in your life that you know that God's challenging you about. Used to be a time when you loved being in church and it seems like that's waning. Is God speaking to your heart? Time in your life, there's things that you said I'd never do, but you see yourself there now. It's God speaking to your heart. Are you where you should be? Mom, Dad, is God speaking to your heart today? Would you listen to his voice? Young person, would you make a commitment? Would you listen to his voice? You hear this morning, you say, preacher, yes, God, he's, he's speaking to my heart. I'm listening. Would you lift your hand up? Say, yes, God's spoken to my heart this morning. Would you lift your hand? God bless you. May put your hands down. Lord, I pray that you'd move in this invitation. Lord, may we listen to your voice. May we obey you. May we lay ourselves down before you at this altar, Lord, and give our lives as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto you, which is our reasonable service. Lord, that we wouldn't be conformed to this world. Lord, you transform us. Renew our minds. Lord, may we get our eyes and our hearts focused on you once again. May we be sold out for you. May we fall back in love with you like we once did. Lord, that we would have your word be the final authority for our life. Lord, that we would study your word. Not being ashamed. Lord, challenge our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I invite you, would you come?